Hey everybody, welcome to my podcast. I hope you're doing well. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today, and I'm sure it's going to be a great episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. And hey, just as a reminder, if you enjoy what you're hearing, if you like what you heard, feel free to share this with your friends and family, and make sure you send me a message. Let me know what you thought. Make sure you you let me know if there's something I could have done better or something you'd like to hear me talk about. If something stuck out and you really appreciated it, let me know that as well. You can find me on Facebook, Kevin Blaney. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm all over the place, but hey, reach out to me. Send me a text. Give me a phone call. I'd love to hear from you. Guys, let's get on with the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so glad to be back with you. Feeling great. Uh, I really wish I could get some of those steroids back that I was taking whenever I was uh, under the weather, but I'll tell you what. Um, in pretty good form right now. Feeling good. We've got a lot going on. I'm staying extremely busy, but not just busy for busy's sake. I've got a lot going on, uh, you know, with school break going on, still working full time, still working on the house, still doing things around the house, still organizing, still cleaning, just a whole lot of things. And, and the least of which is my flight training. So I wanted to come on here and talk to you about that just a little bit, because I tell you, I am so excited about how things are working, how things are progressing. There seems to be a six-hour slump, and I think it's actually called that. When you get in through your flight training, there's a slump that a lot of people hit in the beginning parts, and I don't want to jinx myself here, but so far I have not hit that slump. I have not lost my interest in aviation. I have not lost my determination, my drive, my grit, uh, and, and I am working towards this private pilot's license. There is so much to learn. It's mind-boggling. Everything that, that is there that they want you to know, that they want you to understand, that they uh, knowing where to look, that's the thing. You know, a lot of aviation is not so much knowing everything. It's knowing where to find the answers that you need, right? So we have a very thick book. It's called The Far Aim. So that is your federal aviation regulations. And uh, it, it has different parts in there that would apply to you depending upon what you plan to do. So if you're a part 61 pilot, that would be what I'm going for. That's essentially the flight training that I'm taking. If I was going to school at Fairmont State, I would be going through part 141. Uh, So I would need to read through that section. That would be applicable to me. Uh, Both of us have to abide by part 91, which is essentially 61 and 141 is, is what giveth and 91 is what taketh away. So 91 tells you Uh, essentially how you can get in trouble, what the rules are, what flight rules happen to be, and how you must abide. One of the things that I really like about this book, and I I didn't think I'd like it, but after starting to look through it, I'm, I'm appreciating it more, is the fact that whenever you start reading through this book, you realize that everything that happens in aviation happens for a reason. You know, we all hate those briefings that they give you in the aircraft before you fly. If you're like me and you've flown uh, a couple handful of times, you don't need to listen to the safety briefing. You know what they're going to say. They, the exit doors and everything that they tell you, it's, it's just boring as can be. It's not interesting and nobody really pays attention anyway. But the fact of the matter is they don't do that just because they want to. They do that because in the FAR, in the Federal Aviation Regulations booklet, the manual, which is a quite a thick book, it tells you everything you must do prior to the flight. Now, that being said, if I am pilot in command, which will happen whenever I am flying 
by myself. If I'm flying by myself or if I'm flying with my flight trainer, my instructor, Sam, I still treat it as though I'm in charge. He is my instructor. He is there to make sure I don't kill myself and him as well. But whenever I'm flying and whenever I say I have the controls, when I do that, I am assuming responsibility for the aircraft and the crew or the uh, passengers. When that happens, it's my job. It's my duty to make sure that the doors are locked, that the windows are closed, that the seatbelts are fastened, that every uh, everybody in the cabin knows about the, uh, the safety equipment, the fire extinguisher, things of that sort, uh, how we egress from the vehicle if there's a uh, problem, and what to expect. All of these things are responsibilities that the pilot has. And as I said earlier, it kind of blows my mind all of the things that you are responsible for in aviation. A lot of times people look at pilots as being sort of cowboys. You know, they just kind of go out and do whatever they want to do. You want to go anywhere, you just jump in your plane and go. But that's not it at all. In fact, I almost liken the people who are pilots to people who do skydiving, base jumping in particular. The people who do what I would call the riskiest, uh, the riskiest if that's a word, uh, the most risky behaviors, I would put pilots with them. And here's why. If you look at a lot of people who do base jumping, who go skydiving, um, I use the word almost religiously, who are doing it all the time and are, who are good at it and who have stayed alive, they don't do that and they don't make it through alive because they just go out and jump and open their parachute and land and pack it again. When they jump, they are very calculated. When they pack their parachute, they are very calculated. They are very careful. They are very thorough. They are very thoughtful. They are precise. They are paying attention to what they're doing. And they're very um, detail-oriented. And that's the way it is with aviation, too. A lot of times we just think, well, you get in the plane and you just fly on down to Florida. You know, you can be there in a couple hours or three hours or four hours, whatever it is. But that's not the case at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite. If you are getting in your car... And I've done this before. One time I was kind of bored. It was a it was a weekend uh, coming up on the weekend, I believe. And I was bored. I had nothing to do. It was 10 o'clock at night. And I decided, you know what? I kind of miss my parents. I miss my family. I'm going to drive down to Florida. So I went home. It took me like five minutes to get home. I was on my way home anyway at that point. And within 25 minutes, by 1030, I was on the road heading to Florida. Now, that's not something you would do in aviation. You just can't do that. And here's why. In my car, I drove down, but I got tired around, I think it was Statesville, North Carolina. I got down there, I got tired, I found a, a hotel, and I didn't want to pay for a hotel because I only needed a couple hours of sleep, so I just pulled into the hotel parking lot and went to sleep. Uh, shortly thereafter, I got a nice knock on my window from a police officer who was asking me why I was in the lot, and I told him, look, I, you know, I was driving down from uh, Fairmont or from West Virginia, I got tired and I needed to pull over and take a break, I didn't feel safe driving. And from what he told me, he, he said, I understand that and I, I appreciate you knowing your limits, but you can't park here. This is private property and they had issues with people selling drugs in that parking lot. Well, that being said, I kind of had to go on my way. But, you know, if you're a pilot and you are flying that same route, if you're going to go from Fairmont down to Florida, you're going to have to know the weather that you're going to be going through, not just where you take off and land, but all the areas in between. You're going to need to know if there are any obstructions. You're going to need to know what the weather is in the flight level you are flying. So if you're flying at 7,000 feet, you want to know what the winds are in that area. You want to know what kind of convective activity you're going to be dealing with. Is it a hot day? 
Uh, are you going to be uh, flying in an area where it's going to be quite turbulent? Are you going to be flying through an area where there's a flight restriction? You know, is the president or vice president in an area and there's a temporary flight restriction where you can't fly through that area? Uh, there are something called NOTAMs, which is notices to airmen. These are things that you need to know that maybe there is a, you know, a tower in the vicinity, but the light is out, so you're not going to see it at night. So these are things that you need to know, you need to be aware of. You don't just get in the plane and fly. There's so much to it. And not only that, you need to do a weight and balance on the airplane and make sure that it is not only inside of the weight limits, that you're not putting too much baggage in the back or that you don't weigh too much for the airplane for what it's meant to carry. But also you need to know if that weight limit falls within a certain center of gravity range, right? So you need to make sure that the weight isn't too far forward or too far back, too far back. It's better to have the weight forward than back because if you stall the wing, if, if you lose that airspeed going over the wing and it starts to fall, if the nose is heavier than the tail, it, then it's going to pitch forward and you're going to be able to, you know, to recover the plane. If the weight is too far back. And if you remember, I think there was a recording artist, uh, uh, Aaliyah, I think is who it was. The plane was not only was it overweight, but I believe the center of gravity was too far back. When that happens, the plane essentially falls tail first to the ground. There's nothing you can do. Uh, so that being said, these are just some of the things you need to pay attention to. You need to know all of the weather. You need to know all of the airspace that you're going to be flying through. Are you going to try and fly through Charlotte airspace? You're going to get in trouble if you try and fly through there without getting permission to enter class Bravo airspace. These are things you need to know. And it's just, like I said, it is mind boggling the things that you have to know to be a pilot. This isn't to put down anybody who's not a pilot. I'm sure a doctor or a lawyer could say the same thing, but it's to me, it's just very interesting that you have something that most people don't even think about. Most people just see airplanes as a nuisance. You know, it's making noise. It's flying around up there and making noise. Why are they turning over my house? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? But it's to me, it is so interesting. And let me say this too. Let me go a little further because here's how I feel about the whole situation. There are some people who go fishing. There are some people who go hunting. They go into the woods. They go searching for mushrooms, whatever it is. There is something that some people like to do you know, go hiking or kayaking, biking, whatever, running. They do that because it's a release for them. It's a way for them to forget about life for a while and to just relax and enjoy nature, enjoy their time outside, whatever it might be. Uh, it's, it's a time for them to kind of forget about things. Uh, and, and some people will go fishing and they won't think of anything. They'll just relax and just completely forget about life. Aviation is not that way, especially for me. For some people, it might be. But for me, it's the exact opposite. It is, there's so much going on. There are so many things that are happening and happening in quick succession, mind you. You look at one of these small airplanes, it's flying at 100, 120 knots. You're talking anywhere from 115 to possibly 145 miles an hour across the ground if you have a tailwind. So things are happening very quickly. You're traveling at least uh, twice, sometimes up to three times as fast as a vehicle would, and you're going in a straight line. So you can get places in a hurry, but things can also happen in a hurry. So you have to pay attention and you have to be, uh, what is the word that the Marines say? Always vigilant, uh, simple, uh, you know, always, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Semper Fidelis, I think. But uh, but you're, you always have to be vigilant. You always have to be on guard. You always have to be in a proper mindset. You need to be prepared. And you need to know what to do in the case of an emergency. That's not to say you that you know everything, but you need to be able to make good decisions and you need to be able to make those decisions quickly before things uh, happen to the point where there's nothing you can do. There's no recourse of action. So that being said, for me, it's the exact opposite. For me, it's not about forgetting about uh, things for a while. It's, it's that I'm so focused on the task at hand that I don't have time to think about my mortgage or bills or credit card or uh, due dates or anything like that. It's about relaxing by focusing on something else. It's, it's a, a diversion of attention for me. And that's what I love. That's what I'm so excited about. That being said, uh, things are going well. I'm hoping to solo very soon. I just finalized a quiz that I was given and I've had a couple good landings lately. I didn't feel good about them, but my instructor did. And uh, <laughs> I would have shared this with you, but I decided not to. For one, I don't know how I would do it, but Whenever I was coming in to land at Fairmont last time, Sam, my instructor, said, Kevin, that was good. That was good. And I, I just told him I didn't feel in control. And he said, Kevin, look, I've got over 600 hours of flight time. Who are you to tell me that that was not a good landing? And he said, Kevin, take the compliment. <laughs> so I have to say, if I'm being honest, there are two things that I've noticed about my flying. One, I am very critical of myself. I'm more critical of myself than most people are of me. That's something that's just been the case with me for the longest time. Um, you know, so that's not any anything that's, uh, you know, breaking news for me, at least. The other thing I've noticed is I have a nervous laugh whenever I'm flying. And it's to me, it's kind of cute. Uh, I think it's funny. Other people might think it's funny. Some people might think it's annoying. I'm really not trying to do it. It's just a, uh, if I feel out of control at all, if there's something that, uh, that just kind of catches me off guard or whatever, I, for some reason I had this laugh and, uh, it's funny for me to go back and listen to because it's, it just seems so out of place, but you know what? I'm having such a good time. I'm enjoying it. I wish I could uh, fit in more training time, but just with, with work and with bills and things of that sort, I just can't do much more than I'm doing. But that being said, if things keep going the way they're going, hopefully by this fall, uh, we're going to have some perfect weather this fall. It's my favorite time of the year, bar none. And I'm hoping by that point, I'm going to be a uh, private pilot. I'm going to be a licensed private pilot and be able to, you know, exercise all of those, um, you know, all of those privileges this fall. I'm really looking forward to it. I have a lot of people that I know who, uh, who have never been in a smaller aircraft, and I, I really think they're missing out. There's so much more to flying than just getting on a big, literally what is an, a bus in the air. It's, it's comical that people call it an airbus because that's exactly what it is. Flying for people is not an experience anymore. It's just traveling, and that's not fun. It's not, I enjoy it, but it's not fun for most people. It's, it's not an experience, but flying in a smaller aircraft is you get to, you know, see more details. You get to be part of the action. You get to take the controls. Who doesn't want to fly the plane? I, I just don't, to me, that doesn't make sense at all. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things I'm so excited for. I'm looking forward to it. And let me say this, and I'm not trying to hype myself up. I want to hype up a friend of mine, though. My buddy Aaron Humphrey just finished flying his solo not too long ago, a couple weeks ago now, a week or two ago. And I talked to him afterwards for <laughs> probably 30 minutes. 
And I told him, I said, look, Aaron, you know, your whole life, you have been, you know, an individual. But now, because you soloed, and for those of you who aren't aware, a solo is when your instructor feels confident enough to believe that you have the ability to take the airplane, to taxi to the runway, to take off and land three times around the pattern by yourself with nobody in the plane, nobody talking to you other than the air traffic control or other aircraft. The instructor at that point is not in the plane. He's not there to critique you anymore. He is believing and giving you the responsibility and the privilege to take that plane, knowing that you could wreck the thing. He, he is aware of the outcome that could happen, but seeing your, uh, seeing your actions and seeing how you've handled yourself previously, he has a belief that you are going to be able to fly this plane satisfactorily on your own. And at that point, you're not a private pilot. You don't have a private pilot certificate. I don't have a private pilot's license. I have a student pilot's license. And it's just like for you, you would get a, stu a driver's license. You would get like the, uh, uh, <laughs> the, the driver's license that you get at 15. It's not a full-on license. You can't drive at night, things of that sort. Student pilot is the same way. I can't take passengers as a student pilot. I can't fly without Sam in the plane. However, when you solo, when you fly by yourself, you might not be a private pilot, but you are an aviator and you are a pilot. That's the cool thing to me. You are a pilot. You have taken off, you have flown, and you have landed by yourself. You are a pilot. You just don't have the license yet. So that's the thing I told my buddy. I said, you know, Aaron, from for your whole life, you've been an individual. Now you are an aviator, and I cannot wait. I know that might not seem big to some people, but to me, that is, it's life-changing. And I can't wait until I can call myself an aviator. That's just something I'm looking forward to. I, I want it so bad, and I'm so excited for that to happen. But I just finished this quiz. I said all that to say this. I've, I've spent this uh, last week or so finishing a quiz that needs to be done. I have to do that before I fly on my own solo. And uh, now that that's done, I've done some studying. I'm improving my landing. I'm improving my reaction time to stalls. And I'm looking forward to this. Things are just progressing. I cannot uh, describe to you. I cannot convey very well right now, but I'm so excited for this to happen. It's going to be great. And to go to school this fall as an aviation student and to be able to tell my fraternity, I'm the president of Alpha Eta Rho, which is the aviation fraternity here at Fairmont State University, for me to be able to go back and to have that private pilot's license in my hands that other students who are half my age have, I can't explain to you how cool it is going to be to finally be part of that group. You know, I might be president now, but I've never felt like I was a real part of it. I felt like I was in charge, but I never felt like I was one of them. And now I do. And that's huge. I'm, I'm so excited. I can't explain to you how cool it is. That being said, let me ask, could you help me out? Do you know anyone who wants to buy a Harley? Because I have one for sale. You know, I've, I've, I enjoy taking passengers on the motorcycle. To me, that's one of the coolest dates ever is taking the motorcycle uh, out for rides. But you know what? I, I honestly think taking uh, your significant other up to see the sun sunset after it's already set on the ground, you know, go up to a few thousand feet and watch it again. To me, that's one of the most romantic things I can imagine. And I can't wait until I have that opportunity to do that as well. That's just something that, that I am looking forward to. You know, call me, uh, you know, a hopeless romantic, but I just think that's so awesome. And I can't wait to be able to do things like that as well. And once I get my private pilot's license, 
I can do that. I can fly at night. I can fly to different areas. If I want to go to Florida, I can. I can set aside some time. I can study. I can prepare. I can look and find airports that I can stop at along the way if I need fuel or to rest or to get something to eat. There are so many opportunities, so many possibilities, but you have to be prepared and you have to apply yourself. It's not going to be easy, but I cannot wait to get to that point in time when I can do all these things and better yet, whenever I can get, I can get to that career that I'm working towards. Flying Learjets to me is as cool as it gets. You know, I don't get me wrong. I'll fly a Gulf Stream. I'll fly any corporate jet. Hawker. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, but to me, man, flying those old Learjets, uh, they're, they're just some of the coolest looking planes out there. And I cannot wait for that opportunity. I'm seeing some of the people that went through the Fairmont State program that are flying for a company called Skyward. And man, it's so awesome. I, I live vicariously through them, looking at those pictures and seeing the planes that they fly and the places that they're going to. It's so awesome. And I cannot wait for that life. Uh, it's it's going to be a great time. But that being said, I'm not hoping away my life. I'm enjoying where I am right now. I'm enjoying how things are going right now. And I'm just so excited for, for what's uh, just around the bend. Guys, I hope you have a passion like that in your life. Regardless of what it is, I want you guys to go after your passion in life. Do you want to do something in real estate? Do you want to help people? Do you want to uh, do you want to become a nurse or a CNA or a doctor or a lawyer or, or, a, or you know, a heavy equipment operator, a truck driver, or a pilot? What do you want to do? Find whatever makes you happy. Find something that not only makes you happy, but find something you would do, not just if you didn't get paid, find something you would pay to do. I love aviation so much I pay to do it. Can you imagine how cool it'll be whenever I get paid to do the thing that I would pay to do? I would pay money to go for a ride in a Learjet. I can't wait until I get paid to sit in that seat. Doesn't matter if it's the left seat or the right seat, or even if it's in the back. I don't care. I can't wait for that. I'm so excited, guys. This is a great time, and I hope you have something like that as well. That being said, let me stop by and say one more thing before I go, something that's very important to me. Um, I'm not the best Christian out there. I'm definitely not. I don't pray like I should. I don't study like I should. I don't I don't live my life the Christian way like I should. I, I need to work on that. I'm fully saying that. But let me say this. That being said, when somebody chooses to become a Christian, to put on Christ through baptism, to, to change their life or to give their life over to God, to me, that is a huge deal. And I want to say this. I have a cousin, Billy, who's really sick right now. He could use prayers. If you would, if you would do that for me, I sure would appreciate it. Uh, but he's dealing with some things, uh, and he's, he's not doing well at all. But I just heard from mom this morning that he made a decision to be baptized. Now, the sad thing is that's, that's a wonderful thing. Unfortunately, because of his health, uh, they can't let him leave the hospital. And I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to be able to be baptized. Now, I know some people would say, well, baptism isn't required for salvation. Um, I would disagree with you. There are a lot of verses in the Bible that says, you know, uh, that you need to be baptized. Here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Uh, he that believeth and uh, is baptized shall be saved. Um, you know, some people say, well, it doesn't say if, if he believeth not and is baptized, that's not, uh, however that is. Well, if you don't believe, you're not going to be baptized. But it says, and is baptized shall be saved. The and tells me that that baptism is required for salvation. And I believe he knows that now. I'm not going to, you know, go into 
um, what you believe or what I believe. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And at this point in time, I pray and I hope that you'll pray as well, that, that he has the opportunity, the time available to get that, uh, to put on Christ in baptism. Now, I don't know what's on his heart. I don't know uh, if, if it's going to happen, if he's going to be able to be baptized. The fortunate thing, the greatest thing is that we serve a God where we should be serving a God who loves us, who cares for us, and wants what's best for us. And at that point in time, if he's not able to be baptized, you know, uh, the, the fortunate thing is we serve a God who, who does love us and, and, wants that, uh, and wants us to spend eternity with him. So I just hope, and like I said, I pray that you would uh, do it as well, that you would uh, pray for um, you know safe passage for him, that he'll have the opportunity to be baptized before, uh, before it's too late. And I, I, it sounds like things are working out well if, uh, if we can just figure out how to get him uh, into the water. That'll be uh, wonderful. So, guys, I sure appreciate you guys coming along. I love that you all stop by here and listen to my podcast. We're up over a thousand listens now. I have a good bit of listeners, and I have you guys to thank for that, and I sure appreciate it. And this isn't it. We're not stopping. We are full steam ahead every single day. We're going to keep pushing forward. And uh, man, this is exciting. Well, thanks a lot for stopping by, guys. Go ahead and share this uh, with your friends and family. I, and feel free to leave me a message. Send me a text. Drop me a line on Facebook. I'm easy to find. Kevin Blaney, find me on there. I'd love to hear from you. Guys, <laughs> this is Red Fox. And we're going flying. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>